Man, these pills are killing me. If I, uh, what if I, like, won the lottery tomorrow? I just, like, everything would be easy, right? You know, you you would think it might would be easy, but I don't think that's always the case. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Like, if I won huge monies, I would just pay everything off. Like, I wouldn't have a house payment. Um, I would get, like, a brand new car or two or three, and then I would just, like, drive around the country going to every gaming convention. A- and, and outside the country, because I would go to Breakout every year, too. Yeah, I mean, look, that's like everybody's like lotto fantasies, right? But like in reality, like lottery lottery winners don't always have great lives. Like they uh, have people who show up looking for money, corrupt financial advisors who embezzle everything, um, their own mismanagement of funds. Like a lot of them just wind up like bankrupt. I don't know why you think that I would end up like that. Whatever. But like, I mean... Really, when it comes right down to it, like, what are the chances that I'm going to win the lottery anyway? I I mean, (laughs) chances are pretty small, right? Right, right. But if you wanted to experience what it felt like winning Uh the lottery, uh, you could play Whirlwind Millionaire. (gasps) What's that? (gasps) I think, is this a commercial? Are we inside a commercial? We're inside. Look, I see the commercial walls around us right now. Oh, I... Our, our our seemingly innocent conversation has has turned into an ad of some sort. <laughs> what could it I be think, for, Phil? I think the only I think the only way we can get out is if, if is if we just if we go through. Yes, are you this ready? A- this advertising door is says locked until ad complete. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so what is Whirlwind Millionaire? Well, it's a solo RPG that I wrote uh, about winning the lottery and the challenges that come after you do. Uh, And so in a nutshell, you start by figuring out uh, your well-being and how much money you've won. And then you play through three phases of your life after you've won. And and those are like different acts. And so in each act, you take a turn by drawing a card that has a challenge on it. You answer some questions about the challenge and then you roll some dice to see how it worked out. And depending on what you roll, uh, it could be a windfall where, you know, you could actually increase your wealth. Uh, or it could be an utter disaster and you could lose some of that precious money. Uh, you play through three acts, so nine challenges in all. And in the end, you find out if you prospered or if you were ruined. Yeah, so I don't know if that sounds like fun because of the ruined part, but it certainly sounds like a cool thing to play. So if I wanted to pick that up, where would I get it? Well, you can pick it up on drive through Cards or by going to the Encoded Designs website. Just look for Whirlwind Millionaire. For less than the cost of a handful of lottery tickets, you could find out how your life would turn out. And this game is awesome. Panda approved! Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil! Welcome to the Misdirected Mark podcast. Whoa, I'm whoa, 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 whoa. What yeah. are you doing? Wrong show. What are you Ha-ha! doing? It's a bait and switch. Uh, so that's what we're talking about tonight. And 
welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And tonight's topic comes to us from an anonymous listener who asked, question for the show, how would you react to your GM bait and switching either the setting or rule set from what your group previously voted to play a campaign of? Not a full-on psych, we're playing Rollmaster instead of Tales from the Loop, but a partial switch. Also, I mean, the GM shows up to the next session and says, surprise, with no prior communication. Mm. Right. Right. You can hear Phil grumbling in the background. So, having said that, since we are actually doing this topic, despite the grumbling, I'm assuming that Phil actually has something more than just a straight, flat no for this topic. So, why don't you uh, define for us, Definition Panda, the bait and switch, and then we can jump into it. All right. The bait and switch is a type of session or campaign where you found it with one set of expectations, and then during play, those expectations are subverted with a new set of facts. So, um, let's kind of, you know... Let's kind of break that down a bit, right? Yeah. So, for example, um, you make Delta Green characters for a campaign. And then in the first session, everyone gets killed. And the GM hands you all Wraith character sheets and tells you to make Wraiths out of your previous characters because you're now playing Wraith. Yep. Uh, And thank you, Brett. Uh, B from True story. Uh, Gaming and BS. That, that is actually a bait and switch that he has done. And so, yeah. So the idea is that for, in this case, that everybody in the group thought that they were playing Delta Green, right? The mm-hmm. expectations were conveyed to them that you were playing Delta Green. Everybody made Delta Green characters, backgrounds, and all that stuff. And then in the first adventure, bam They're dead. dead. <laughs> yeah. And they switch out to a completely new game, mm-hmm. right? Uh, So that's that subversion of expectations, right? We subvert those expectations uh, and we perform the bait and switch. Now, when you subvert expectations, and much like the name of this uh, technique, the bait and switch, it is a form of surprise. Um, It is also, so it's not only a form of surprise, um, it is also a breaking of consent, right? right? Like, If we all sat down and consented to play one game and now you've swapped in another, you have basically violated that consent. And as we're going to talk about, that may not go off as smoothly as you think it will. And so like all surprises, surprises are really hits and hits or misses. Right. So the first question you have to ask, and this is important, right, is why is this a surprise and not something that you're actually negotiating with your group? beforehand why aren't you asking and more often than not it's because as that's because the gm thinks that they're being really clever which yeah so they want to wow their players by doing something out of the blue that no one sees coming right yeah um and you know what i have to say about gms being clever right yeah don't don't Um, so the efficacy of this kind of surprise is the function of a few factors. Uh, the first one is how spontaneous is everybody in the group? Right. So are they living life as it comes at them or do they prefer to have things kind of planned out so that they know what's coming? How attached were they to the original expectations? Right. Yeah. If you really got them psyched up for that fake game that you promised them, 
they were really psyched up to play that fake game you promised them. Exactly. Uh, the next one is how much do they like what it was being switched for? Yeah. So if they were psyched up for a fake game, they're probably not going to be really excited to play a DCC funnel. Right. Right. Unless that's the game that they really wanted to play. Right. If you like twisted their arm into fate or something like so it, it could be I mean, it could be that they're all really into DCC and then this could be a plus. Right. Uh, there's no pluses for this. No. At best, at best, this is a break even. Right. So you're saying it is not, it, this is, this is, you, you only succeed on a 10 plus. That's what you're saying. You only succeed on a 12 plus. <laughs> not even a 10 plus. Not only even on a 10. 12 plus. Oh, 12 right. plus. Okay. Yep. All right. So the, the last factor that you have to consider is how much trust does the group have in the person who just performed the bait and switch? Right. So if you run nothing but awesome games and they have loved everything that you've ever done, they may trust you enough to just go with us, right? That's the thing. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about it more. So all of these factors contribute to how successful a bait and switch is actually going to be when you do it. And when you lean them all towards the positive, the chance that you have that it might actually work increases, right? It's possible you might hit 12 because you're adding a plus three if some or all of these are negative then the chance that it's going to work drops significantly yeah so our question tonight was about partial bait and switches so not doing both of the game in the setting right so not as as uh, as our questioner asked tales from the loop to role master but instead, we're swapping one or the other. So Right. So like if we were in D&D, maybe we're going from Forgotten Realms to Planescape. Or mm -hmm. um, we're playing in the land of the loop, but we're going from using the rule system for Tales from the Loop to Bubblegum Shoe. Sure. Um, and so it's been my limited experience because I have not done a lot of these bait and switches i have done one spectacularly bad one which may be in the post in the post show outtakes i will tell <laughs> the story of how um yeah. of what i did and why it went why it went poorly yeah um but it's been my experience that changing the setting while keeping the rules the same is actually better than keeping the setting and changing the rules it's just that the changing of the setting is less jarring than the rules right so rules changes actually can interfere with the plans that players had for their characters if they planned ahead or anything like that or even if they didn't plan ahead that far they just knew like the next thing that they wanted to take when they got enough um skill points or like experience or whatever you know whatever system you're kind of working with they probably planned that next thing and if you change the rules on them they can't do it and when you change rules on people, it can undermine the system mastery that people put into this, which is especially important if you tell people that you're going to run a certain game and someone puts in the effort to actually read or learn the rules for that game. Um, they're going to be a little bit annoyed about, you know, not using those rules after all, because they put in some effort and some time and dedication, right? Yeah, absolutely. So for tonight, we're going to take two points of view and mm -hmm. we're going to talk about times when you might be able. Maybe. 
to pull this off, mm-hmm. but most of the time you're not yep. going to pull this off. <laughs> yeah. So Senda, be the voice of reason uh-huh. and explain why we should not perform a bait and switch. Right. So honestly, there's a lot of reasons why you should not try this, but if you're convinced that you just have to try it because it's a great idea, let's just cover a few of them to see if you can see it from your player's side the way that they would actually experience this, right? Right. The reasons <laughs> why this, why you think it's clever and right. they are going to be And they're going to be not so happy with you, right? Because this is right. one of those things where you think it's clever because you're in the know and you know about it. And so it seems fun. They don't know, right? <laughs> right. So the the stuff you need to consider when you do this, first, we're, we're basically just going to talk about the same things that we covered very briefly above, right? Right. Spontaneity of the group, yep. the love of the original material, yep. the love of the new material, yep. trust in the GM. Right. So if you're doing this for your home group, you hopefully have a good idea of where they fall in all four of those categories. And if you think that they're going to be agreeable across all four of those things, you have a chance of being able to pull it off, right? But if any one of those things is unsure, any of them, then you run the risk of it coming apart. Yeah. Now, if you are doing this like in a convention one shot, where you don't know anyone who's sitting down at the table Uh and you don't know the answer to those four questions. Any of them? Yeah. Don't. Just don't. Do this. Don't do it. Don't. You are not that clever. No, don't do it. So saying that, here's some more things that you should consider that have the possibility of souring this experience, even if everyone at your table is absolutely positive on those first four points, right? So the first one is story. And what we mean there is, where are you in the story when this bait and switch takes place? Right. So are you in the middle of the existing story? Like when a whole bunch of expectations have already been set and players like kind of have, you know, you know, story momentum kind of know where they're going and you're now about to dash it all with this this bait and switch. Yeah. Are you between stories where the expectations are pretty low? Yeah, or are you starting a new story where you can set your expectations but kind of frame in this possibility of change? Right. So where you are in that given story is going to affect how jarring the bait and switch is. And you might think that jarring is the emotion that you're going for, but it's not. It's really not. You don't want jarred. You want excitement and surprise. If people are just like off kilter and shocked because it was just a sudden abrupt shift for no possible reason that they can account for, that just tends to make people uncomfortable, which isn't a great gaming experience. So don't do it if you're in a place in your story where it's going to be jarring. Wait until you come to a place where it would be better, right? Okay, so the second point is continuity, right? So for continuity, we're talking about how will the campaign adapt to the changes when you make this swap. So if you're changing settings, how are the characters getting there? Yeah, so if, so in this case, like, do you have some sort of portal? Is there like a teleportation spell? Is there like somebody who's going to like, you know, guide them through a jump gate, like something, right? Like, how do you like in the story? How are you making the change happen? Stargate. Yeah. (laughs) And then if you're changing the rules, how are you actually accounting for any significant differences in the rules? Because that will change how people play, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. So if you're going from like five, like D&D 5e to fate, like how are you accounting for those difference in rules, right? Like the biggest, most noticeable one is going to be magic. Yeah. Right. Fighting is going to feel like fighting, you know, picking locks is going to feel like picking locks. But when the wizard has to cast the spell, it's not fancy and magic, right? Mm -hmm. Fate has like, you know, fate doesn't even have a prescribed magic system. You have to basically pull one in. So how are you addressing something like that? Because that's going to throw um, that's going to throw things off. Right, it's going to feel really different. So the idea is that if you can't explain the change in the overall campaign, then you're creating dissonance, right? Which could damage or break the session itself or the whole campaign, depending on how, you know, how bad the dissonance is. The third thing that you have to think about is duration, right? So when we're talking about the swap that you just did, how long does this change last? Yeah, right. Like, is this just, are you just doing this as a one shot? Are you doing this for like a small, like three to four session arc? Or, you know, did you think you were going to do this as a permanent change? Yeah. So players, um, players are going to reject a swap that's permanent if they have problems with any of the other reasons that that you have above. You might be able to get away with it if you're like, we're just going to play this for one session or whatever, and then we'll go back. Right. But if you're like, no, this is forever, then they're going to they might be like, no. <laughs> so basically, to sum up, there are seven things that we named that could sour a bait and switch for any one person in your group. Right. So now you have to think about the fact that there are three to six players in your group um, and that the odds of landing a successful bait and switch become pretty daunting. Right. Because you have to land that successfully for every single one of those people. So most of the time, I would pretty much just not do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) If you want to switch the setting or the rules, I think it's a much better approach to pause the game, talk to your group, make the change, and then restart. Yeah, yeah, don't don't be clever. Like this is easily a thing. This is easily a change you could easily negotiate your way through rather than surprise everyone. Right. And, you know, playing at the table is a social situation and it's not usually very nice to rip the rug out from under people in a social situation and it's not usually something that they're excited about. Maybe unless it's like, you know, those proposal videos or something. I mean, there are certainly occasions, but Your gaming table is probably not one of them. (laughs) So basically, having said all of that, if you still want to do it, if you still are just convinced that you have to do this and it's the coolest thing ever, Phil, what can someone do to try to maximize the success they're going to get out of it? All right. So despite all of our advice, you are still convinced that you can do this. Jeez. Now, (laughs) keep in mind, you are landing a 747 on top of a postage stamp. But sure. Anything's possible. Right. So let's figure out how you might pull this off. Now, we talked about seven different criteria that could possibly go wrong. And if you're going to pull this off, you need to nail every one of these. Mm -hmm. And so let's kind of talk about what that means. So number one, spontaneity. So you need to know how much of this your group has, right? Because changing an adventure in the current, like the best way to do this, if you want to see how they like how they deal with spontaneity, like don't swap rules or setting, just swap what the adventure is about one day. Like 
you know, just swap the the what the current adventure is about and just see how they adapt to it. Right. So like tell them they're going to go fight a dragon, but then on the way they uncover a plot of giants to destroy the town that they just left and then see what they do. Right. Like if if they're just like, oh, we have to destroy the dragon and like 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 walk past the giants. Yeah. They're probably they're not, not that spontaneous. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if they're just like, oh, no, no, this is way more important. And they just kind of roll into it and deal with the giants. Cool. Like they, they might be they might be spontaneous. Right. All right. The next one is the love of the original material. So if your group has been dying to play Blades in the Dark for months and you just started the game and you're about to subvert it out to play Dungeon World, you're going to have a lot of problems switching them off of blades yeah. right like it's gonna this is gonna work best if the group is kind of neutral to meh about the current game that they're playing mm-hmm. so like if you've been playing pathfinder for a couple of years and everybody's just kind of burning out on it because you've just been playing that straight through okay they might get excited about something new right the next one is the love of new material so the more excited people are for the new material that you're presenting, the better off you are going to be with a swap. So getting everyone to swap into a game that they don't like is going to be met with harsh resistance. But swapping into a game that they've been dying to play or one that they've loved playing in the past has a much better chance to work. Right. So if they've been wandering around in the Forgotten Realms and then the heroes find a portal to Sharn, which is the home of their favorite past campaign... Nice. Yeah, like now you're banking on nostalgia, right? Yeah. So it's like, well, I know you guys, have, you know, we're playing in the Forgotten Realms, but oh, there's Sharn. Sharn, you could go back. <laughs> right. Like that's exciting. Yep. Like that's enticing. Yeah. Okay. Next one is trust. How much do your players trust you? And this one's going to be hard to know because players don't tell the truth. Mm-hmm. They don't like hurting people's feelings. So if you ask, hey, guys, do you guys all trust me? First of all, they're all going to say yes. Mm-hmm. And second of all, at least half of them don't. Right. Especially because you just asked that question. Right. Especially because you <laughs> asked it, right? It's like Schrodinger's cat, right? Like yeah. the second you've asked, you've changed the conditions of the experiment. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so groups that have like, good luck figuring this out. You figure it out any way you can, right? Get an informant in the group, bribe them, whatever. <laughs> okay. So groups that have trust issues are going to resist this kind of move. They are not going to trust you when you pull the rug out from underneath them. So you've really got to make sure that uh, before you try this, you either have trust or you actually work on building their trust through a bunch of sessions. Right. So that means if you're a new GM for this group, this is your first game you're running for them. Don't lead with a bait and switch. You will yeah, never run. For, you will never run for these people again. Like, yeah, for God's sake, don't <laughs> earn your way into this. Right. right? You're going to burn this bridge and it is going to burn. Yes. OK, <laughs> but do it when you have some cred. OK, right. uh, next one is story. So your best plan for bait and switch is between the end and the start of a new story. Mm-hmm. Right. Like just because you've come out of one story and met all your expectations and you are heading into the next story where you're setting expectations like this is the time you want to kind of slide in your you know like your your bait and switch right so like the heroes are heading to waterdeep because they're looking for work so they're not really invested in anything right this instant right 
So they're on the road and they encounter a lost warforged who leads them to a portal back to Sharn. <laughs> right? Back to like, Sharn. Yeah. Like that's a thing, right? Like all of a sudden, like you're just, you know, you're heading to water deep and then you're like, what's that? Yep. Right? Good time to get them. Yeah. All right. Next one is continuity. You got to do your homework. Listen, GMs, if because you've had this crazy ass idea and because we have failed to talk you out of it. Yeah. This is one of the pieces where it's going to fall apart, even even if you get them to buy into the premise. So if you're going to do a bait and switch for setting, then you don't it's less work than having to do it for rules. Right. So for settings. Uh, what's going to happen is heroes become strangers in a strange land, right? So they went from the Forgotten Realms that they knew. They go to Ebron, which they don't. So they're now strangers in a strange land. It's a trope. You can look it up on TV trope. Yeah. And a good tip is, like, give them an NPC guide who can befriend the characters and help them uh, translate the new culture. Right. So, like, that lost warforge that they found on the road becomes part of the party and helps explain life in Eberron to the characters as they explore Sharn. Yeah, that's great, right? Because yeah. then you kind of like, you have that transition piece. Yeah. All right. Now, if you're changing the rules, you have more work to do. Like, you need to actually sit and do some homework. You need to figure out, like, what's changing, and you need to start planning out the conversions ahead of time. Like, don't spring this on your players. Um, figure this stuff out. Like, figure out how all the characters' favorite things yeah. are going to work with the new system. Like... If you were going from 5e to fate, you had better figure out the magic system for your wizard. Right. I was going to just say magic missile. Like, you, you got to know how magic missile and fireball work, right? Like, you better know how their whole spell list well, I works. I mean, their whole because, spell list, yes, but like, key. Yeah, because that's what's going to happen. The wizard's going to come in and the player is going to be unsure of, you know, I don't know if this was a good idea or not. And then they're going to be like, I want to cast a spell. And if the GM doesn't have like an immediate answer for like, well, of course, which spell are you casting? Right. Here, this is what this it's going to be. This going to work. Yeah. Right. Like then it's like, it like shit's going to blow up. Right. So you can do things like have handouts, um, convert their characters for them in advance so that all the numbers are already crunched and like things are figured out on the character sheet. Like that kind of stuff. Make this, make it easy. Don't make them work for it. This is your clever idea. You do the work. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Last one is duration. So before you set off on this folly, figure <laughs> out how long you want it to go. Uh -huh. The less confident you are about the previous six criteria, the shorter you want the swap to last. Yeah. Um, this way, you basically have an out if people don't like it without having to basically rip the campaign apart, like stop, cut this section out, you know, that kind of thing. So the permanent option on the get-go is a huge risk. Like, don't consider, like, I'm going to make this swap and it's going to be permanent and they're all going to love it because I'm so damn clever. Like, that's probably <laughs> not going to work. A good way to do this is to start with a shorter swap, like a one-shot, mm -hmm. right? Or a small arc. And if people like the idea, then give them a chance to choose to stay or have the option to come back at a later date. Right. So, like... They explore Sharn for a few days and then um, and then they go back to the portal and go back to the realms. And along the way, they find a ritual that will open the portal to Sharn if they should ever need or want to come back. And then you could always move the campaign over in a longer or more permanent sense if they like it. Right. Yes, exactly. Right. Because now okay. now you're giving them the ability to choose again. 
You've you've just returned consent. Yes. Because they can consent they can now after. Consent. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so the overall idea is that if you're going to do this, and again, we can't recommend more that you don't. Yeah, just don't do it. But <laughs> if you are going to do this, get as much of this lined up as possible. And then don't be disappointed after all of this work. If one or more of the players does not look at you and go genius. Right. <laughs> Cause they probably are going to look at you and go asshole. Yes. So, you <laughs> so, know, be ready, um, be ready to roll back the game or stop the campaign or do whatever you need to do to fix it. If it doesn't work, have a backup plan. Hey, and when we talk about stopping campaigns, it's probably time we stop the show. No, it, it is indeed. Hey, Senda, before we do, tell us something about another quality show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Right. Well, let me tell you about Advantage to Insight. One fan, one topic, and the best result. Advantage to Insight speaks to the fans of Dungeons & Dragons and what interests them for you. And let me also tell you about the Queen City Conquest, which is my favorite little convention in Buffalo, New York. It is kickstarting right now, so you should go back it if there's any chance you can come see us. There's going to be a bunch of folks from Gnome Stew there. Phil and I will both be there. And there's some other really awesome people who are going to be there, including some fantastic guests. Um, and you should check it out. I really want to make this convention happen because I really want to go there again. It's my favorite. Awesome. Say, Senda, where do people reach us on the interwebs? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community, or you can drop us an email panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Like our anonymous uh, emailer today, please send us your questions, your topics for us to discuss. We love doing the stuff that you want to hear from us. And the only way we can do that is if you reach out to us and ask us. Tell us what so it please, is. So please, please do. Even controversial topics like the bait and switch. Is it controversial? Um, <laughs> well, it's only, I guess it's controversial if you think it's going to yeah, work. Yeah, like, I don't know who thinks that this is a good idea apparently well correct. somebody does because somebody had to email us about <laughs> I this i mean that's fair that's fair okay anyway um besides uh sending us topics send a what can people do uh with our social media info well you can send us your table selfies so the next time you are sitting down at your table if you are crazy enough to run a bait and switch let us know about it we want to hear if you roll a 12 plus we'll see <laughs> otherwise just take a picture of you running that awesome game for those awesome peeps hashtag it table selfie post it on the social media of your choice and we will swing by and like it it is easiest for us to do on twitter but we will try to do it elsewhere as well hey you know what i want is i want you to do your bait and switch and then take <laughs> a pit picture of your table as they're all looking at you, you like, like what <laughs> yeah that's what i want yeah we want the what faces and then we want to know like and then how long did you play before they told you that you were an asshole? <laughs> In minutes or hours. Right, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, if you like what we do here or elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, support our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons of the show get things like the beefness. Um, <laughs> no, they get the everybody bonus got that. I mean, they got more of it. Oh, but yeah. 
They get the bonus outtakes from this show. They get uh, the after show from the misdirected Mark. They get uh, song parodies and other cool things. And in fact, our patrons this week are getting a PDF print and play copy of Whirlwind Millionaire, what? a new game by me. So awesome. Yeah, that's that's happening like tomorrow, actually. Right, but they're not going to hear this until next week. But they'll already have it because they're patrons <laughs> and they're already in the know, which is another reason to be a patron. And the final reason is, of course, because we like to shout out to our patrons. So, Senda, would you like to shout out to our patrons today? Absolutely. Toby Sennett, the Baron of Britannia. Thank you so much, Toby. Eric Simon. Thank you so much, Eric. And Cindy Moore. Thank you, Cindy. Everybody, don't forget about the QCC coming up in September. Cha-ching. Awesome. Um, shill, shill, hey. shill, 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 shill. <laughs> oh, hey, I can't say enough nice things about the QCC, I know, to be right? honest. Um, we'll both, we'll be, both there. be there. So many other cool people are going to be there. It's almost painful how many cool people are going to be yep, there running games. Pretty much. Okay. If you are already back in the Patreon campaign or cannot back the Patreon campaign, which is totally fine, um, there's a thing you can do. It makes us super giddy. It hasn't happened in a little while. Oh my gosh. Hint, hint. It makes me super sad that it hasn't happened in a while. And we'd like to see it happen again soon in the near future. <laughs> and Senda, what is it? Well, you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Apple happens to be the one that we check. So if you leave it somewhere else, drop us a note to let us know because we're not checking the other ones. There are too many of them. Did we make you feel guilty enough to leave us a review? Please? Please, please, please. <laughs> please. We are only poor podcasters shouting into the void for validation. <laughs> but thank really, uh, thank you so much to everyone who has left us a review. Even if you don't leave us a review, go leave a review for a show that you love. It really um, makes creators tick, right? Say, Senda, show me how you're going to swap your Magical Girls game with Cartel. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. So seriously, the the woman who did the musical score for Cowboy Bebop, every anime that she has ever touched has been gold. Awesome. Because she also did um, Escaflone. She also did. Um, I'm going to tell you right now that uh, I'm going to tell you right now that Escaflone sounds like like, um, like an allergy medicine. <laughs> like ask your doctor about Escaflone, right? Like somebody's like running through a field. There's flowers and stuff like Escaflone. Anyway, okay, my um, yeah so. So here's the thing we have to acknowledge, right? This is the mm -hmm. episode after the beefness. Right? <laughs> Which I don't know if you listen to it. I listened to those outtakes. I, today. I haven't. I need to actually go listen to the outtakes. They I continue to be pleased with myself because I made you crack up in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. So here's the thing I wanted to acknowledge. <laughs> like we it's doubtful we can hit that level two episodes will, in a row right like no no yeah, like that, that was seems... that was lightning in a bottle right like 
It takes a special <laughs> moment to... Um, it takes a special level of send. I can't think of words tonight. Yeah. I, to, and then coupled with the that, beefness. I'm paying really close attention to what you're saying. Right. To catch yeah. it <laughs> when it happens. Although I will tell you on the um, on the Pandas musical episode. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. We're doing a Pandas musical episode. I mean, you are. Um <laughs> I can't. I can't say you'll be doing one. Um, so can you rap or something? I, I mean, like, I, yeah, like yeah, maybe we could do that. Like you sing, and then be like featuring, like f- featuring DNA Phil, and I'll just like come in, drop some mad rhymes, and like you know bust out. Yeah. And then you can do the love boat theme. Yeah, because that's like the one I can for do. For the right? third like, time, yes, I can totally nail the love boat theme. Um, right. I don't remember. What does it sound like? Sing it. Oh no. <laughs> no, no, no. See what you're trying to do there, but that that, that will not uh, that will not that will not work the way you think it. This Aww. will not go the way you think it will. I'll give you the Luke Skywalker on this one. Uh-uh. No, so uh, just to acknowledge that, like the the beefness that is like that is that's next year's any submission. Like that's the the beefness. It doesn't matter what the actual episode no, it's was, just, sounds just like or was about beefness. or anything. Just the beefness i don't even remember what was the actual episode about (laughs) right (laughs) because it was when we ran across the word steak and conflated it with the beefness that things went truly downhill that's because you were trying to retell that story from breakout Uh yeah that's what happened. That's where the the origin uh-huh. of the beefness comes from. Those um, from those fries that were were from the fries. Yeah, those fries they were, were beefy. delicious. They, I will repeat what I have said before, which is I was not a fan of the beefness. That's right. On the fries. Yes. Ah, but also banicula. So anyway. Yes, there was a, there was a lot going on in that. Uh, <laughs> You sent me, you were kind enough to send me the clip where I lost it. Um, uh-huh. Because you're very proud. You lost it a couple of times. Yeah, but you know but what the you, one where you lost it in the middle of the sentence, uh-huh. I'm very proud of yeah, myself. You were very proud of yourself on that one. Yeah, you do that to me all the time. Yes. <laughs> that is, uh, that's true. So. <laughs> My IBS says now it's time to stop. Yeah, that didn't happen for me. As I recall, until the next day. Yeah, until the next day. (laughs) Till the very next day. (laughs) Yeah, no. I'm thanks to you. My YouTube constantly presents me. Wouldn't you like to hear this song next? People who listen to Perry Grip often listen to the Duck songs, part one, two, and three. Yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm not even sure I'm aware of parts two and three. The first one is its own kind of hell unto itself. They only get worse. Bloop. My son just wants to listen to the, the song about the tortoise playing Minecraft, and the next thing I know, the damn duck song is on again. There we go. That's awesome. That's awesome. No. No. No, it's not. Why are you saying that? You're lying. You know that's not true. Why would you say such a thing? Bloop. So, like, I busted in and did the Gaston song the other day. <laughs> Like you do, because uh-huh. that is the one you have to do. Oh, yeah. No one fights like Gaston. Gaston. No one. Yeah. <laughs> like Gaston. 
In a wrestling match, nobody bites like Gaston. <laughs> I use antlers in all of my decorating. <laughs> oh, what a guy. <laughs> Gaston. <laughs> uh, do you want me to do a waveform song? Do you have a waveform song? As of about 30 seconds ago, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, it's not the duck song. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's good. Um, sure. I'm always confident when you've, um, when you've not rehearsed these in the car and it's just a 30 uh-huh. second. Okay. So sure. I'll, ready? I'll intro. Sure. Let me think okay. of the rest of the words. Okay. Bloop. You can tell she's thinking because she's bouncing her head around. <laughs> You're supposed to be introducing. Oh, I was waiting till you stopped bouncing your head. I, oh, thought, oh. I was afraid I'd, I was afraid I'd finished the introduction. You wouldn't have had thought of everything. I'm fine. I'll figure it out on the fly. Okay. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, the 2018 Waveform Theater presents Miss Senda. Waveform robot, come and get them while they're hot. Waveform robot is coming to town. Something, 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 party down. (laughs) All right, see, this is what happens when we let you have 30 (laughs) seconds to make up a song. (laughs) Yeah, this is it. Something, 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 da-da-da, pandas. <laughs> Panda robot, come and get him while they're hot. It's raining waveforms out of the sky. I, I feel like there should be a punishment. No for, need to ask feel, why. I feel like there should be a punishment Just for this. open your mouth and close your eyes. It's raining waveforms. <laughs> Wait, I'm See, sorry. That what, one was, what was that last line? What? <laughs> <laughs> Which line? It's raining waveforms. That was nope, the last no, nope. back up a line. <laughs> Just open your mouth and close your eyes. Yeah, okay. Listen. <laughs> we didn't drop an explicit tag on the show. <laughs> goes. Sure, sure. I'm just I'm just It's following... about tacos. I mean <laughs> or hot dogs. <laughs> no, it's definitely about tacos. Sure, I'm down with that. <laughs> I'm trying to think of more parody no, songs now. No, really don't. It's okay. Mm-hmm. No, it's okay. You no, should just not but... No, it's okay. We should we should just roll right into the beginning of the show instead of you it's taking 30. No. <laughs> it's a wave form today. Ah. There's a cat licking your birthday cake. It's your waveform today. <laughs> no. I'm giving you the face. You are giving me a face. Bloop. Meow. Meow. Bloop. Bum, bum. Bum, bum. It's going to be all about the bait and switch. Oh, wow. I got Kermit head been a while it's like you broke your arm or something right i don't know why that would have <laughs> like right. actually any sudden movements back when my arm was yeah like, it was not good it was not very good. bad okay ready mm-hmm. so basically to sum up we named seven things surprisingly not eight were there not you didn't have an eight i just didn't you know i really didn't have a, <laughs> one more to put in there okay. sorry um there are seven there's there are eight gming skills there are seven reasons why you shouldn't do a bait and switch okay <laughs> uh four calling birds and a partridge in a pear tree nailed it Bloop. oh i thought you were gonna keep saying four words Bloop. no 
Uh-uh. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Okay, real quick, I'm going to tell you this story about the one bait and switch I ever did and how it was a complete and utter failure. Yes. And, which is okay because even though the time looks long in this, there's like a big dead space from when we were trying to figure I know, stuff out. In the middle. Okay. The, so here we go. The internet dead space. Okay, so here we go. Um, I was uh, playing a game of Corporation, and my players were whining about not having enough money to buy the really, really cool stuff in the book. So I was like, cool, I'm going to come up with a way that you can buy all the really, really cool stuff in the book, but we don't break the campaign. Uh-huh. And so what I did was I had the Corporation, unbeknownst to the characters. Now, the characters helped in this, right? They actually kidnapped the scientist who specialized in illegal cloning. And the... Um, the corporation illegally cloned the characters oh. uh, for a suicide mission. Uh-huh. So they sent them on a mission that they had to go break into this nano factory um, and destroy it and armed them with the most ridiculous amount of gear possible. Like I let them run like kids through a candy store and they were like fully loaded in these like combat frames with like the best guns imaginable and all this shit. And they roll up on this factory and they just murder everyone. Like just it's murderville going right through the factory. They get all the way to the the core where the nanites are being kept and they upload the program that's going to cause the nanites to um, to uh, self terminate because um, like the little nan- like little nano machines to self destruct. Yeah. Um, except that that's not what the program does. The program sets them loose to consume the entire factory so that there's no trace evidence left. And so the players like like this swarm of nanites come out of the reactor and the players start running and I have them making like more and more impossible rolls. And like as soon as the first one fails, I'm like the swarm overtakes you and disassembles you. And like the last guy like makes it to the surface and he calls for the drop ship to come pick him up. And no dropship comes and he's like uh-huh. standing in the middle of this, like he's standing in the middle of the Chilean desert, looking up at the sky, like waiting for the transport vehicle to arrive. And the swarm just like takes over and kills him. And then I call for a five minute break. Uh-huh. And the players are like, like what pale, yeah. right? Slack jawed. Yeah. I get a drink. I come back down. I'm smug as fuck, right? Because I've just, because I like, I'm like, I've pulled this off. I am so fucking clever. (laughs) So I sit down and I explain to them that they, that they wake up Uh and they're like back at the corporation. Uh huh. Right. Because they had been on ice while the clones were on their mission because having two having an illegal clone running around would have been too suspicious. So they just iced the players. Yeah. So the players are like they're like, you know, the bosses are like, look, you did a great job. Like, thank you. Sorry. You know, we couldn't tell you in advance, but, you know, we needed your clones to um, not know that they were clones, blah, blah, blah. And um, the players look at us and they're like, look at me and they're like, what about the gear and I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like what, what gear like you got to that, play that, with it <laughs> like that gear like all got disassembled in the middle of the chilean desert and they're like fuck you phil <laughs> like they were like so pissed i wound up having to give them a consolation prize like i went i wound up having to repair their um their junky transport ship and like upgrade it because they were so mad at me <laughs> after the and that wasn't you didn't even thing. switch the game or the setting I didn't even, rules I didn't even switch the game or the setting. I, I, but I subverted the shit out of that. You um, did. 
right? Like I, and I thought I was so fucking clever, right? Like I was so smug and proud of myself at the end of that adventure. Uh, and they were pissed, right? Like I thought that was like the, one of the best games of corporation I ran and they, they hated it. <laughs> um, so I just, from that point on, like no more bait and switches, like just bad, 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 bad. Bloop. It was pretty funny though. <laughs> The looks on their faces as they like right. failed roles and got disassembled. Did they ever trust you again? I mean, they must have because oh, they kept running. I games, mean, they did, but, but I, they they did because I had to swear I would never pull shit like that ever again. Right. Bloop. Really, what you would do now is you would say, "You guys really want to play with all of this equipment?" Well, I have a proposition because I can't actually give uh-huh. it to you. It yes. would break everything. So I'll, would you I'll be, clone you. Yeah. Would you be willing to do this like crazy one shot thing, knowing that you're going to die at the end and then we're going to jump back into the normal campaign from a point there or something like. Exactly. Right. Like and I'll give your characters a, you, and I'll give your characters a reward if you opt for this mission. Right. Like you, you could actually negotiate that up front. Oh, I totally could yeah. have. Right. But I was clever. <laughs> That's the point. Right. Like I was clever. Don't be clever. <laughs> That's a that's a that's a precautionary tale. Uh, we should probably bug out. Charles Augustus Fortescue was the nicest boy I ever knew. Why is that the one that came to my head for a cautionary tale? Do you know the cautionary tales? Hang on. There's one about No, no, no not hang on. It's one it's 1 hour no, no, 1 minute. But but, but cautionary hang. tales. There's the one about the little boy who ate bits of string until they tied themselves in little knots inside him and then he died. There's the one about the the boy who let go of nurse's hand and got eaten by a lion. Okay, that we're, th- this will be a topic for the next uh, episode. <laughs> okay. Okay. Say say goodbye. Bye. Bye. And.